appreciate all the visitors being here, and of course, you're all, everybody's always welcome here, and, uh, uh, but I want to let you know that we always give an invitation, no matter what, and if we have a few people here, or we have a big crowd here, we always give an invitation to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and so we're not doing it to try to embarrass anybody, we're not trying to do it to try to put you on the spot, we're not trying to get at you to join the church, or to be baptized in this church, We've had so many people who get saved, have gotten saved in this church or been a part of this ministry and then went out and went to another church because I know we're way out in the boonies, but the point is if you're here this morning, I know the Lord's here. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, the Lord's here and He's here right there with you. He's not behind me. He's not behind my wife. He's not behind anybody else who's saved. If you're in here and you're unsaved, the Lord's looking for you. That's how the Lord works. This book's not about, not about the 99 sheep that are found. It's about the one that's lost. That's what this book's about. So he loves you. He cares about you. He doesn't want you to go to a devil's hell. You're doomed to a devil's hell according to the word of God. And hell was never prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But because of sin, because of sin that was brought in by Adam and Eve, God has no choice but to send us there if we don't take Jesus Christ, that free payment for that sin. He can't allow us in on our own righteousness. And that's what we're about to find out. Our own righteousness won't, won't get us in. But at the end of these services... We're going to give you an opportunity. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'll give you an opportunity to come on down here and get saved. Now, that's what I did when I was about 17. Best decision I ever made. Uh, the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. Now, I will tell you this. I have not been a perfect Christian. I have not lived a person, perfect Christian life. Please don't use me as an example. They're not going to write a biography of my perfect Christian walk. They're not, the, church, the Roman Catholic Church is not going to apply sainthood to me when it's all said and done. I promise you that. But... I know where I'm going, and I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm saved. There's a difference. There's a difference when a man or a woman lays their head down on a pillow at night and knows that if they don't wake up, they're going to wake up in the arms of Jesus. It's a big, it's a big difference to live a life like that. So Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. One of the greatest set of verses in the whole Bible. Let's read it again, verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us this morning, leading, guiding, direct us into all truth, Lord, and Father, I just pray, Lord God, to be like holy manna. You'll send holy manna down for us to, to feed off of, Lord. And Father, I pray you'd feed us, Lord. We want to be fed, Lord. And there's some people who drove a long way, Lord God, to hear from you, Lord. And I pray, Father, you would show up in a mighty way, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that if somebody doesn't understand your grace or doesn't know about your grace that they can find in Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray this morning, Father, they'll see it real. It'll be evident to them, Lord, and then make a decision a decision to receive Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for your salvation we have in Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray a hedge of protection around every heart in this room, Lord God, that the devil can't come in and take that word, Lord, that we'll be able to receive it, Lord, and we'll receive it with gladness. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. So we're going to focus there on verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace plus faith equals saved. Grace plus faith equals saved. God's grace, your faith equals saved. That's what that says. For by grace. So let's break this down. For by grace. Grace, the most beautiful, wonderful, amazing word in the English language. Grace 
one of the most famous hymns is Amazing Grace. And it's, there's a reason why that's the most famous hymn is Amazing Grace because God's grace is amazing. It's a very, very amazing. Grace and grace is much more than mercy. See, people confuse the words grace and mercy, and they're different. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And it kind of has a negative, it implies something negative, like you deserve something bad, you deserve judgment, but the judge, he shows you a little bit of mercy. Now, judge can show you mercy and not give you as stiff a sentence as you deserve, but a judge cannot show grace. Big difference. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. It's just given to you. It's a free gift. It's like saying, oh, I appreciate you not giving not give me, uh, I appreciate you not giving me uh, a bad sentence. I appreciate you not being mad at me. I appreciate you not uh, sending me away for a long time. That's, that's mercy when somebody shows you mercy like that. But it's a difference when somebody just walks up and gives you this amazing gift and says, here you go. And you say, well, I didn't earn it. I didn't, what, what do I need to pay you for? Let me, give you, let me give you some money for it. And you're like, no, just keep it. I want you to have it. Friends, that's grace. That's God's grace. And that's what we're talking about this morning. For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace defined as free and unmerited love and favor of God. That's out of an 1828 Webster's Dictionary. Grace is defined as free and unmerited love and favor of God. The root word of root for grace is gratis. Gratis. Free. It's free. It's free. It's free. I mean, I, I cannot begin to tell you it's that it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's free. We're not talking about, hey, if you want to get saved, you've got to start coming to church. You've got to start reading your Bible. You've got to start feeding the poor. You better stop doing this. You better stop doing that. You, better, you won't see this in the Bible. What the Bible says, you come to Jesus Christ and he'll save you. Now, what happens in your life is when you get saved... The Holy Spirit comes in, starts dwelling in you, and then He starts cleaning you up from the inside out. A lot of times you'll sit on a man or a woman that when they get saved, sometimes the outside changes. Their countenance changes. they got a bigger smile. Sometimes they start cleaning up. They start dressing a little better. They start taking care of themselves a little better. But the truth is, it's the inside working out. And Jesus warned us about that. He said, uh, y'all are like uh, whited sepulchers. That's what He told the Pharisees. You're like whited sepulchers. He goes, you look real nice on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. That's what Jesus said. He warned you. There's a lot of people sitting in churches today that are white as sepulchers. They look real clean, they look real nice, they're living a life, but on the inside, and God can see the inside of your heart, He can see your heart, and He says there's nothing but dead man's bones. Grace. Grace is free. Grace is wonderful. Grace is a gift. And when we think of a gift, we think, it's like we think of money or things, right? I mean, when you think of, oh, a grace is a gift, it's, it's giving. And we think of money and things, but really the greatest gift a person can give is their life. Is their life for somebody. Uh, Jesus said in John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's real love. That's real grace is a gift that's your life. The greatest thing you can do for somebody as a gift is give them yourself. So the world is set up, see the world set up is like, when, and you've seen it, especially right before COVID. Every time something bad happened, there was a hurricane or something else, you'd see it, they'd start raising money. 
They start raising money. They start raising money. And you'd see amazing, you know, like they say, we've raised $150 million for the hurricane over in Jamaica. Or we raised $200 million for the, the hurricane. They're always raising tons and tons of money. But really, honestly, what a lot of times they need is people to give their life. Come over there and help them rebuild. Come over there and feed them. Come over there and help them straighten things out. The greatest gifts you can have is, is your life, and that's what Jesus Christ gave us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The second greatest gift you can give somebody, speaking of grace, is time. Is your time. And it's what I appreciate about some of the men of this church. They give their time to help me out. Get things going. Give their time to come out and mow. I had a, a brother, I'm not going to mention your name, brother, uh, after church a couple of nights ago, he said, hey, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to help mow this, that, and another. Well, man, that's, there's money can't buy that for me because that's, guys, when we were, if you came out this morning and you see this church is painted, that's amazing, isn't it? It's a wonderful that somebody painted the church. You will not believe we had all the money in the world to get this church painted. We couldn't find nobody to do it. Nobody, we were begging and begging like, We'll give you good money. Come out here and paint the church. No, I don't want to go all the way. We couldn't get anybody. We finally found somebody who was willing to give their time, and we gave them some money for they were giving their time. The greatest gift you can give is your time. Hey, as a son that grew up without a dad, the greatest gift anybody, any man ever gave me as a young boy was their time. I want somebody to throw a football with me. I want somebody to throw a baseball with me. I want somebody just to spend time with me. We are caught up as a society. We think we've got to give our kids gifts. And we give them games, we'll give them phones, we'll give them, and really our kids, all they really want is our time. Give us, our, give, give us time. Give, give, them, give them your time. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, not of works, lest any man, any man should boast. The greatest gift that was given was by God, and that gift of grace that was given by God was Jesus Christ. Man, and I'm so thankful for that. For God, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. For God so loved the world that He gave. That's grace. That's how grace works. That's how grace always works. God's grace. It's amazing. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I'm having to rely on God's grace every day of my life. Every morning I'm having to pray, Lord, forgive me for this. Lord, forgive me for that. Lord, forgive me for not doing this. Lord, forgive me for this. And I'm always relying on God's grace. You know what Romans chapter 5 says? Where sin abounded, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. So if you're in here this morning and say, well, I'm such a sinner. I've done this and I've done that. I'm not, I, I, I really, I don't think God would want me. And, and all the sin I've done and all the things I've done where sin abounded, Grace did much more abound. It's a free gift. That's what makes God amazing. You're like, I don't deserve this. I don't, why are you doing this? And God said, because I love you, and here it is. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's the gift. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 is the gift of God. There was a kid that was misbehaving his mom and dad, and his dad kept threatening him. He said, son... If you, do that, if you do that one more time, I'm going to make you sleep down in the basement by yourself. Because he knew the kid was scared of the basement. And of course, the kid being a lot like I was when I was a kid, he went ahead and did it anyway. So the dad says, okay, that's it. I'm sick of it. I'm done with you. Take your pillow and take your blanket and go down in the basement and sleep tonight. So the kid got his pillow, got his blanket, went down in the basement, 
So the mother and the dad were upstairs eating at the table. After the son had ate, he went down there and eating at the table, and they could hear the son down there just weeping. And the dad said, I, I, the dad says, I, I, can't, I can't take it. I can't take it that he's down there, and, he, and he's scared, and he's alone. And the mom said, now, honey, if you let him out of, if you get, you let him out of that, He's never going to take you serious or anything else. He's never going to take you serious. You've got to leave him down there. And the dad says, I, I just can't take it. I can't take it. Stand, I can't stand it to think he's down there crying and alone and weeping. He said, I can't stand, I can't stand it. And as that son was laying down in the basement, and he had his pillow, and he had his blanket, and he was weeping, the door of the basement opened up. And here comes the dad with the pillow in hand. And walked down into the basement. And snuggled up next to his son and got his pillow and laid with his son. And his son snuggled up to the dad. Dad said, you deserve what you got, but I'm going to come down here and take it with you. That's God's grace. Anybody in here should be honest enough to say, you know what, I deserve. I deserve God's judgment. And God says, I know you do, but I'm going to take it on the cross of Calvary for you. And get you out of it for free. That's the kind of father we serve. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith, grace, God's grace. Plus your faith equals saved. Equals saved. Your faith, your faith. First and foremost, let's move on to faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's your faith. First and foremost, what you need to understand about your faith, it's not of works. It's not of works. I'm going to repeat that one more time. It's not of works. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. You're not going to get up into heaven and start boasting to God about what all you did down here on earth. You're not going to do it. Do you know what Christ said about you? Any work you're doing, Christ is doing it through you. Amen. Amen. He said, Christ said in John 15, He said, Without me, you can do nothing. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. I'm the, I'm the vine and you're the branch. What does he mean? He's the vine. You're just a little branch. The fruit's coming off of you. It's coming through the vine, coming through you. You're just, a, you're just an instrument. He's coming through you. He's producing the fruit through you. You should always be giving glory to Jesus Christ. In anything, somebody gets saved, glory to God. You, you do the right thing. You, you, you were going to cuss, but you don't cuss. Glory to God. I mean, whatever it is, you want to run somebody over, you're in a car and somebody cuts you off in the car and you want to run them off the road and you don't, glory to God. I'm at Walmart and I want to punch somebody in the face, whatever, you don't, glory to God. This stuff works, but it's Christ in you working out of you. It's not of your own work. So you're not, not of works, verse 9, lest any man should boast. There's some denominations that I'm afraid that when they get to heaven, they're going to be surprised who all's up there with them. Because I think they're the only ones going to get to go. It's like the old joke where you, you, you the old joke where, I uh, better not tell it. I have too many visitors in here. I'll get somebody mad at me. I'll tell some jokes. Somebody will get mad at me or whatever. I got to be careful. I got to be careful. I don't want to get somebody mad at me. The truth is, is that it's not of works. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. You're not going to get to heaven. And you, when we get up to heaven, and I'm up in heaven, and I'm around some other brothers and sisters, I, and, and I, I, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, when I was down on earth, I, I never missed a Sunday. I was there every time the church was open, and I, I read my Bible through every year, and I was so wonderful. I'm going to take my hand. I'm going to put it in their face. I'm going to say, shut up. 
I'm looking at that man, Jesus Christ. Please get out of the way. I want to see Jesus. Will you shut up? I want to see Jesus. You won't be able to hear yourself talking. People will be shouting for Jesus Christ. You don't think if Jesus Christ was to walk through that door right now that there wouldn't be some shouting going on in this church? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, there would be. Think about up in heaven when you have millions of saved sinners knowing they were doomed and damned to a devil's hell. And the only reason they're up there is because Jesus Christ loved them and showed grace and gave them a free gift of eternal life for nothing that they did. Nothing. They didn't deserve it. You don't think when that man walks up, there won't be some people saying, Oh, Jesus! My hero, Jesus! Jesus Christ! The Bible talks about how loud it is up in heaven. And shouting and proclaiming and glorifying God. That's how you get the glory when you give somebody great gifts. And Christ has given us the greatest gift, and that gift is Jesus Christ. And it's eternal life when we have Jesus Christ. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So grace and works, they don't mix, brothers and sisters. If you can work to earn your salvation, then why did Christ die on the cross? It don't mix. Your work you're doing is from the cross. Not to the cross. You don't work, work, work. Say, okay, I'm going to work so I get to Jesus Christ and get to heaven and I'm going to work. No, what you do is you go to Jesus Christ with all those sins, all those shameful sins, all that shameful living, and you lay it at the feet of Jesus Christ at the cross and you get up and you say, thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to go serve you, not because I have to, but because I want to. And why do I serve Jesus Christ? Because I love him. When somebody lays their life down for them, you tend to love them. If one of y'all was to show up at my house tonight and say, Hey, Keegan, uh, we bought you this brand new mansion. Uh, it's, it's, it's fully furnished. Uh, I already paid for it. I'm going to pay the taxes for you every year. Uh, go ahead and move on in. Go on, move on in. You don't think I wouldn't find, you, find, you, find a lot of fondness for you? You don't think that you wouldn't, you know, I think once a year we'd say, hey, we need, to, we need to have a dedication to that friend of mine that gave us this mansion. Listen, you know, you would be my best friend for life. This is a gift ten times better than that, a million times. But this is eternal life that Christ has given us. And it's not of works. It's not of works. It's not of yourselves. A black preacher was said, a black, I read one time, a black preacher said, the Lord, he's always voting for a man. And the devil, he's always voting against the man. Then the man himself votes, and that breaks the tie. He's right. See, God's vote is for you. And you say, well, how do I know God wants me? How do I know God voted for me? He showed you on the cross. And the devil's after you. And if you have any kind of sense, you know the world, the devil's after you. He's voting against you. So if God's voting for you, the devil's voting against me, what, what do I do? Well, it's your turn to vote. Who's, which side are you going to choose? You're going to put your faith into Jesus Christ or are you going to put your faith into the world and say, I'll just go my own way? It's your choice. Y'all remember growing up, those books called Choose Your Own Adventure? Do they still make those, Gibson? Called Choose Your Own Adventure? Little books where you read. They're called Choose Your Own Adventure. You would read them and they'd go, you'd go, what it was is you'd go to a certain part and they'd say, okay, you're on top of a building. The building's on fire. Man's walk, a man walks up to you and he says, I know the way to escape. What do you do? Do you choose A to go back down the stairs? If you choose A, turn to page 36. 
If you choose to stay still and not do nothing, turn to page 72. And you would turn to page 30. If you say, okay, I'm going to go back down the stairs. You would, in the book, you would turn to page 36. And it would read about two paragraphs. You go down there and you, you die up, you burn up. And the book's over. But if you choose to, go, to stay there, you say, okay, I'll turn to page 95. So you turn to page 95. I choose to stay there and not do anything. It says you stay there. The middle eventually burns. You crumble down. You're doomed. That's the end of the book. Basically, what you find out when you, buy, when you bought these books, there's only one way. You had to choose the way they wanted you to take. And if you turned, turned the wrong page, it would just be over. So what I'd do is I'd always have a bookmark, and I'd go, always go back, go back, because I always chose the wrong way. And the truth is, is there's a man there on the building that says, hey, the building's on fire. I can show you the way to escape. Come on. And if you chose that way, then the book would continue. That's eternal life. That's, that's eternal life of Jesus Christ. Anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, your building's on fire. And it's below you. The, here's the problem, though. Sometimes a building can be on fire and you don't realize it. And there's somebody come up and warn you. I'll never forget Chad Reese. Was, we were out street preaching there in Pensacola, and Chad Reese had a guy walk by, and I heard Chad Reese talking to him. The guy was like, I don't know about Jesus Christ. He said, Dude, your building's on fire. He goes, well, why are you out here making a fool of yourself preaching and trying to tell people about Jesus Christ? You need to go do that in church. He said, Chad said, listen, man, this is what it's like. You're in a building, and I'm on the floor, and I can see that the, the fire is on the first floor, and you're at the top, and I'm yelling at you. Hey, there's a fire up there. There's a fire down there. You better get out of that, but there's a fire. And you're up the top saying, oh, no, there's not. You're such a fool. I'm not going to believe you. That's the world. And as Christians, and as pastors, and as preachers, and as evangelists, we say, there's a fire underneath you. You need to escape, and the escape is Jesus Christ. Here's the problem. I can't make you go. I can't make you take Jesus Christ. In God's infinite love, He gives you something that is just as amazing as grace. It's called free will. And you have a free will to choose what you're going to do. You can choose Jesus Christ, and you can take this gift, or you can reject it. See, it's a free gift, right? It's a gift. It's a gift of God. A gift can be offered but not received. You can go up there and say, hey, I want to give, and I've had to do this before. I'm going to give you this gift. Like, no, I don't want it. I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it. No, it's free. I promise you, I don't expect nothing in return. Here it is. And no, no, I don't want it. And that's salvation. How many people have we told about Jesus Christ, told them about the wonderful wonderment of heaven, told them about eternal life, what you can have, the freedom we have, the liberty we have in Jesus Christ, the life we have right now, how wonderful it is to live as a Christian. And you explain all this to them and they're like, nah, I don't want it. And you're like, why? You're trying to sell them on it and you're like, what do I need to do? To I, don't, I don't want it. I don't want it. It's a free choice. But it's faith. It's your faith. And it's got to be your faith. Now turn to John 3. Turn to the Gospel of John chapter 3. It's got to be your faith. It's got to be your faith, but you've got to have the right faith. <clears throat> turn to John chapter 3. It's your faith, but it's got to be the right faith. And I'll, say, I'll explain to you what I mean. It's got to be your faith, but it's got to be the right faith. You can't just have faith in anything. You can't have faith in Muhammad. That's not going to get you anywhere. Muhammad is dead. Hey, Muhammad's not doing nothing for you. Do you know when you read a Quran, you read, what, when I, and I have a Quran at home, I've read through it. When you read, read a Quran, it's over and over again, it says this, Allah is merciful. Allah is merciful. Allah is merciful. 
Allah is merciful. It says it about a million times in there. And Allah is merciful. Oh, I don't need mercy. I need grace. Grace is missing. Grace is how you're saved. Amen? The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Grace is how you're saved, not mercy. Mercy is not getting what you don't deserve. I want grace. I want a free gift. I don't want to just not get what I, want, what I don't deserve. I want to get stuff I don't deserve. I want to get the good stuff. That's eternal life. Turn to John chapter 3, verse 16. And I'll explain to you why we're turned here. John chapter 3, verse 16. I'll explain it. You've got to have the right kind of faith. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's what I've been preaching on. Grace. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Alright, well look at there. Look there. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. I've told you a hundred times in this church there's a difference between should and shall. Shall is a definite, you shall not commit this. You shall not do it. It's a definite, you better not. Should is should not. You, it's not a commandment. So you read there at the end of verse 16, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the problem. If you're only believing in Jesus Christ, that's not enough. You've got to believe on Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 18. He that believeth on See that? Now go back up to verse 16. Whosoever believeth in. There's a difference between in and on. The devils believe and tremble. James. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. The devils believe and tremble. Satan knows exactly who Jesus Christ is. Satan tempted Jesus Christ. Satan saw Jesus Christ come up from the dead. Satan knows everything. knows more we could ever know about Jesus Christ. He believes in him. He don't believe on him. There's a difference. Verse 18, he that believeth on him, on Jesus Christ, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You've got to believe on and not in. You can say all day long, hey, I believe he's a good surgeon. I believe in him. I believe, he's in a good, I believe he's a good surgeon. But until you lay down and put your back on that operating table and let that surgeon cut on you, you haven't believed on him. You've only believed in him. A lot of people talk about Jesus Christ. Maybe they were in church and they've heard about Jesus Christ and they, they, they've thought about it, but they've never had to actually put their faith on Jesus Christ. I talked about this a couple of Sundays ago. You have people come up to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So people hear that, they come up to Jesus Christ, they walk up to Jesus and say, okay, where's the way? Where's the way? Is the way to go over here and start uh, going to church every Sunday? Is the way over here where I need to start taking sacraments? Is the way for me to start feeding the poor? Is the way for, what work do you need to do? What way is that? And Jesus Christ looks at him and says, I'm the way. What are you talking about? I'm the way. Not of works. I'm the way. What do you mean? I'm the way. Well, I want to be resurrected, Lord. I am the resurrection. Well, how do you get resurrected? I am the resurrection. You've got to believe on me. He that believeth on him is not condemned. I know I'm condemned. I know I'm going to a devil's hell. Put your belief on me. Believe on me. Trust on me. What does that mean? That means know that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Know that when you, when you pray to him and ask him, you're asking him to save you. It's not that I'm going to take Jesus so my life will be better. 
Jesus, Paul said Jesus Christ is not for this life only. If Jesus Christ was for this life only, we would, we would be men most miserable. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. You know why Christians are so miserable nowadays? Because they think that Jesus Christ is for right now. And he's not for right now. He's for the life to come. He's eternal life. Listen, being a Christian in this world right now is not easy. And it's only going to get worse. And I believe, now y'all might want to argue with me, but I believe with all my heart there's going to come a time if you're a Christian, you're going to get thrown in jail in America. If you believe what this book says about homosexuality, about adultery, about the things that we, we know as sin, the world doesn't call sin anymore, they're trying to pass laws to where if you teach that or you believe that, you're a hate monger. They're doing it over in the UK. And everything that happens over in Britain eventually gets over here. That's what they want. Get ready. What are you going to do? Believe on. Believe on him. Believe on him. Brother Packer always had the best illustration on this. He always talked about, Brother Packer always talked about how he said a guy was in a, had a wheelbarrow and he had a line stretched across a, a great uh, a canyon. And he'd get, he'd get in that wheelbarrow and he would walk that tightrope with that wheelbarrow like that. And he'd walk across there and the guy was on the other side. And the guy says, do, and he comes back across and that guy's over there watching with that wheelbarrow. And he said, man, do you believe I can do that? He goes, man, I, I believe it. I, I see you do it. He goes, well, hop in. Hop in the wheelbarrow. That's different. That's believing on, right? Well, that's what somebody like me has had to do when I was about 17. I'd heard about Jesus all my life. I was raised in church. I was in Sunday school. I knew who Jesus Christ was. But there came a time in my life where I knew I was a sinner. And I knew I needed to be saved, that I was doomed. And I said, you know what? I need Jesus Christ. And I prayed, and with my heart, I believed on Jesus Christ as my Savior and man alive. It was a difference. It was a difference. And here I stand, saved, going to heaven. Not because of anything I did. It's because I put my faith in the grace of God. God's grace. God's grace plus your faith is going to equal you being saved. That's how it works out. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Believing because he has not. Why? Why is he condemned already? Because he believed, has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And lastly, lastly, for by grace you're saved through faith. Saved. What does that word mean, saved? Saved implies that you're doomed. If you're saved, that means you were saved from something. A lot of times we think, I'm saved like I'm saved going to heaven. And that's what we mean. That's okay. But really, when you say saved, what you're saying is, I'm saved from a devil's hell. But Christians and the new, new Christian, the new way in Christian churches is, it's all positive thinking. It's all big smiles like Joe Osteen, and let's see how we can make you feel sappy and good, and let's care and share, and all this other nonsense that the world wants. It's humanism. And the Bible's always saying, you're saved. And we think, oh, I'm saved to heaven. No, well, you're saved from hell. Saved implies that you're doomed, and you are. You are doomed. Look at that. Verse, verse 18, chapter 3, verse 18. He that believeth not is condemned already. You're not, it's, Jesus didn't say, okay, later on when you get to the judgment and God weighs out your good and your bad and checks out your works to see if you've been good or bad, then we'll find out if you're condemned. Christ says, you're condemned already. You're a walking dead man. Guys, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're condemned. You need to be saved. 
You're condemned. It isn't like you're going to, oh, well, I'll wait till I get to heaven and God can put my good. It's not of works. It's not of works. It's not of works. Do you get that? You're not going to get to heaven and say, well, I didn't know for sure about Jesus Christ because I thought there would be many ways up here, God, and I want you to look at all the good work I did, and I want you, and God said, yeah, I'll show you some stuff you did. Turn it, show them. And God is going to show the whole universe what you did, and you're going to be saying, oh, uh, I forgot about that. Turn it off, turn it off. It'll be too late. He's going to read out all your sin. And then the Bible says in Revelation 20, it says, check the book, and they're going to look for your name in the Lamb's book of life. If it's not found there, found there, they're going to take you and cast you into a lake of fire, the devil's hell. That's all in Scripture. There's nothing about how they're going to weigh out your good and weigh out your bad and see if you've been good, see if you've been bad. If you don't have Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're condemned already. Now, if you want to go take a step further, that's red letter right there. That's Jesus Christ saying that, not me. Skip down to verse 36. He that believeth on, verse 36, same chapter. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Do you believe on Jesus Christ? You have everlasting life. See that? He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath, the wrath, the wrath of God abideth on him. Right then, right now, it's abiding on you. You're doomed. For by grace are you saved through faith. Saved, saved implies that you're doomed. You can't save yourself. Not of yourselves. Not of yourselves. You can't save yourself. If you're saved, you can't save yourself. You're not going to work your way out of it. You're not going to find another way. God says there's only one way through my son Jesus Christ. That's why I gave you him as a gift. But you don't have to believe. If you don't believe, you'll go on down to hell. It's your choice. It's your choice. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You know, uh, believing in faith and believing in being saved, Kathy ran into a, a young man that she knew when he was growing up as a young kid. and He's, he's, all, he's, a, he's a grown man now. He come by and she, she got to meet him again. Hadn't seen him in years and years and years. And what he told her, his testimony was, uh, I knew about Jesus Christ growing up, but I, did, I wasn't saved. And it took me going through all kinds of trials and tribulations. He had to deal with all kinds of problems. He goes, then I, got, I, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I found the real Jesus Christ, and now I'm saved. The point was, is he's just like what I was talking about. He lived it. He was in church. He knew all about it. His parents, and Kathy said, his parents were good, godly people. Raised him right. And it just, that's what happens. But at least he found Jesus Christ. Amen. Get saved. Get saved. You can't save yourselves. You can't save yourselves. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're doomed. You know, uh, I'm going to start closing it up. But the Titanic was such a, you know, talking about being doomed, the Titanic was so doomed. And was such, it was such a tragedy that over 100 years later, we're still talking about the Titanic. And you know, the Titanic, it got hit by the iceberg, and the thing that hit the iceberg, that's what sunk it. This and that. The point is, they had five warnings about the iceberg. The captain, the captain of the Titanic, not just some neon guy that, you know, this run rate. No, the, the captain of the Titanic was given five warnings and he ignored them. Five. 
I was reading about him, and I was reading this, this uh, about a book that, this is a quote out of one of this, this biography of this, his name is Captain Smith. This is what it said. Smith was not ignoring the warnings. So that caught my attention. I'm like, what? Okay, what's going on here? He said, Smith was not ignoring the warnings. He simply was just not reacting to them. <laughs> that makes no sense. Smith wasn't ignoring the warnings. He just simply wasn't reacting to them. That's the same thing, ding-a-ling. When somebody says, your house is on fire, it's fire, it's a fire, and you say, I'm not ignoring them, I'm just not reacting to them. You idiot, you're not doing nothing. That's the same thing. And when a preacher or a loved one says, you need Jesus Christ, you need Jesus Christ, please get saved, please get saved, please get saved, and you're like, eh, I'm not ignoring them, I'm just not going to do anything right now. It's the same decision. And they can write all this stuff. They're trying to make Captain Smith the captain of the Titanic. They're trying to make him look smarter than he was. The truth is, he's doomed. He ignored it. He didn't react to it. He had a T. Whatever you want to say about him. The truth is, the Titanic, it got warned five times. And the Titanic's at the bottom of the ocean this morning. Because somebody didn't heed the warning. So when the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, when it says the word saved, that doesn't mean just you're simply saved to heaven. You're saved from a devil's hell. And you're getting the warning. Saved, saved, saved. It's the same thing. I'm going to close by giving an illustration. It's one of my favorite illustrations about the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to finish by reading this, and then I'll give you this illustration. For by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace, God's grace, are you saved through faith, your faith. So God's grace and your faith, that'll get you saved. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not baptism. It's not going to a church. It's not church membership. It's uh, none of that stuff. Sacraments, taking the Lord's Supper, none of that stuff's going to save you. Only putting your faith on Jesus Christ is going to save you. One of my favorite stories, and I haven't told it here in a while, but this is a true story of a, of, and this is back at the turn of the 1800s. There was a, a building that caught on fire, and all the, the, the town folk ran over there, and they're trying to put the building out, and at the top of the building, about four stories up, was a little child up there. And this little boy was up there, and he's like, help me, help me. The little boy was screaming, and nobody could get up there to him. And there was a man of, the, of that city, a man of that city, he saw that there was a pipe that ran all the way up the side of that building. And that man, he climbed that pipe, and it turned out that pipe was scalding hot from the fire. And he climbed up there, and he, he told that kid, get up on my back. And that kid grabbed him, the kid grabbed a hold of his back, and he grabbed, put him on his back, and he climbed back down, and he scurried back down that pipe, and he burned his hands. He scarred his hands, burned them up good. Well, when they got the kid down and got everything settled out, this kid's parents had passed away in the fire. So they had a big town hall meeting. They said, who's going to adopt this little boy? So they had a big town hall meeting. Everybody in town showed up. They all showed up. They had a big town hall meeting. Who's going to adopt this boy? And they had some people stand up in the back and said, hey, listen, I've got a lot of money. If, I, if you'll let me have him, I'll make sure he goes to the finest colleges in America. Had another lady and man stand up, and the lady says, I've already got three kids of my own. I can raise him like my own. I know how to raise a kid. I know everything about a kid. And about that time, the door opened up, and there's the man that saved the little boy. And everybody turned and watched him, and they could hear him walking. As he walked down the aisle, they were wondering what he was going to say to convince everybody that he should raise the boy. 
And he walked down to the end of the aisle. He got in front of everybody. He simply just raised his hands and showed the scars on his hands. Nobody could say a word. That boy belonged to him because he had given the, he'd given his life. How do I know that Jesus Christ wants me? Look at the nail-scarred hands. You're going to have so many people in the world say, no, no, go this way. Go this way. Come, come, come to this religion. Come, I think it's a better way. Ah, those, those Christians, they're kooky, they're crazy. You don't want to live like that. Come, I'll show you. But we can work. We can, and all of this is going to be appeasing to you. And Jesus Christ in your life this morning is standing there and he's showing you the nail-scarred hands. I will give you eternal life. But you got to take it. You got to take it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. Lord, but more, more important, Lord, God, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray, Father, there's somebody needs the sound of my voice that has never received Jesus Christ, Lord. They can't think of a time. They're not really for sure if they're going to go to heaven or hell, Lord, if they were to die tonight, Lord. I pray, Father, forgive this invitation. They would walk on down the aisle, Lord God, and get saved, Lord. We're not trying to embarrass anybody, Father. We're just, we know, Lord, in your word, Lord, you said, confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Lord, I think this is the best way to do it, Lord God, just give a man or a woman, a boy or a child an opportunity, Lord God, just walk down and say, I want to be saved. And make it public, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you for saving me, Lord. I didn't do nothing. I'm still not doing nothing for you, Lord. I just Anything I do, Lord, is you working through me. And it's because of my heart. I love you, Lord. I love you so much. I can't wait to see you face to face. And Lord, I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will move among us. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. All right, let's have an invitation, brother. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but verse 17 and 18 he went on to say something interesting for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you but in verse 18 he says something that's amazing he says that he that believeth on him is not condemned he's stressing a faith it's putting your faith into Jesus Christ but he says there in verse 18 but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. 
It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.